Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In three, two, one. Seven things you probably didn't know, you need to know. I'm Jamie East and this is the standard hello and welcome to the weekend edition of the smart seven we've got the biggest best and strangest stories of the week for you in the next seven minutes remember if you're listening to us on spotify as part of your daily drive playlist you can just hit the follow button to get regular smart seven updates with a new episode each weekday at 7 a.m Mullah Abdul Ghani Barada was freed from a Pakistani jail three years ago at America's request to lead peace negotiations. But on Sunday night, the Taliban's political leader and co-founder was headed to Kabul as the Taliban declared the war is over and that they would soon announce a new form of government, most likely an Islamic emirate. The weekend saw the Taliban move at lightning speed, capturing major cities and surrounding Kabul. The former president, Ashraf Ghani, fled to Tajikistan, posting on Facebook that he had left to avoid a flood of bloodshed. Afghanistan's former education minister, Ranjina Hamidi, told the BBC she could not believe the speed at which events unfolded. I'm in shock. I'm in disbelief. I didn't expect this from the president that I knew and a president who I trusted fully. I still want to believe that this is not true that he left. But if he did, it's really a shame. And as the Afghan government collapsed and hundreds of thousands fled, a Taliban spokesperson told the BBC there will be no revenge, that they're simply seeking a peaceful transfer of power. In the city of Kabul, there will be no revenge on anyone. We are the servant of the people and of this country, our leadership have instructed our forces not to enter the city. We are awaiting a peaceful transfer of power. After a blisteringly fast takeover of Afghanistan, Tuesday saw the Taliban presenting a carefully cultured image of normalcy. They started with their first press conference, where they took questions from Afghan and international journalists. And spokesman Zabihullah Majahid started by promising that no one will go after Afghans who worked with foreign military forces. Whoever has worked in the military, in translation, we have given amnesty to everybody. There is no revenge. Mujahid also spoke about rights for women, saying they can be secure and will play an active role in Afghan society as long as they live by Sharia law. They can work, they can get education, they are needed in our society and they will be actively involved. If they continue to live according to Sharia, we will be happy, they will be happy. However, Hosna Jalil, former Afghan Deputy Minister of Women's Affairs, says the Taliban's history of obliterating women's rights has not been forgotten and the women of Afghanistan fear what will happen when international forces leave. They are scared of going back or being imprisoned in their houses like they used to. But at the same time, they are given reassuring messages of having access to education and having access to health centres. They don't have to be accompanied by men. 
The Commons debate saw a packed house with many unmasked as they were updated on the latest events in Afghanistan. The focus was on the speed at which the situation had deteriorated as the Taliban swept to power and on the unfolding humanitarian crisis that it's created, with many pointing the finger at Joe Biden over the US president's decision to go ahead with the withdrawal of troops. Former Prime Minister Theresa May was concerned at the long-term implications this has for the British presence on a world stage. What does it say about us as a country if we are entirely dependent on a unilateral decision taken by the United States? I'm afraid I think this has been a major setback for British foreign policy. Labour MP and Afghanistan veteran Dan Jarvis was most concerned about the local troops that he served alongside and what their fate will be in a Taliban-controlled country. We trained together fought together, and in some cases, we died together. But I shudder to think where those men are now. Many will be dead. Others, I know, now consider themselves to be dead men walking. Where were we in their hour of need? We were nowhere. And that is shameful. Tory MP and fellow veteran Tom Tugendat says the worst part is the feeling that all of the British military sacrifices in Afghanistan were in vain. I've been to funerals from Poole to Dunblane. I've watched good men go into the earth, taking with them a part of me and a part of all of us. And this week has torn open some of those wounds. New data from the Office of National Statistics showed that 94% of the English population now have antibodies against COVID, which suggests they've either been infected or been vaccinated. Scientists at the University of Oxford found that the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine declines more quickly than AstraZeneca, but is still highly effective at preventing severe illness or death. Health Secretary Sajid Javid has announced a booster vaccine programme for autumn. We need to get the final advice from our group of experts, our independent you know, scientific and medical advisors, and so we're waiting for their final opinion. I'm confident that we can start in September when we will start with the most vulnerable cohorts, start offering that third jab. Researchers also found that with the Delta variant, levels of the virus could be just as high in those who are double jabbed, making them equally infectious to others and undermining hopes of herd immunity. Professor Adam Finn from the JCVI says COVID vaccines are still effective against the Delta variant, but the indirect benefits have lessened. We, we can still say with confidence that people who've had two doses are at far lower risk of ending up in hospital or dying of COVID. But the ability of the vaccine programme to stop the virus being spread about is, is probably not so good now with the Delta variant. Still to come on the Standout 7, Kit Harrington mangles a classic and tributes to comedian Sean Locke right after this. You're listening to the Smart 7. If you're enjoying it, you might also like the Smart 7 Island Edition. Just search and follow us on your favourite podcast platform. Around the world, the battle with the Delta variant continues, with both Florida and Texas racking up high numbers of new infections, with 5,000-plus students in a single Florida county now isolating or quarantining because of a COVID outbreak, while Texas Governor Greg Abbott tested positive and is self-isolating in his mansion. And in New Zealand, a national lockdown was announced for seven days after a man tested positive for the Delta variant, the first case in the community for six months. Prime Minister Jacinta Ardern addressed the nation as the lockdown kicked in. I want to assure New Zealand that we have planned for this eventuality. While we know that Delta is a more dangerous enemy, the same actions that overcame the virus last year can be applied to beat it again.
There was sad news yesterday as the death of comedian Sean Locke was announced. He died of cancer at just 58 years of age and the news shocked the comedy world. He was a stand-up comedian and panel show veteran, including long-time team captain on 8 out of 10 Cats, and he wrote and starred in the BBC sitcom 15 Stories High. Tributes came from Jimmy Carr, Harry Hill, Ashling B and Bill Bailey, who called him brilliantly funny. Here he is in full flow on 8 out of 10 Cats. Rest in peace, Sean. My greatest achievement must be rectum of the year. <laughs> I knew I'd won when I, uh, I heard three of the judges throwing up behind me. Beat <laughs> <laughs> Fern Cotton. <laughs> Hers is pretty messed up. Kit Harrington's been busy recently, hasn't he? He popped up with Jimmy Fallon on Friday and accepted a challenge from The Tonight Show to do a sketch that no one else has dared to do. We've been pitching it for years <laughs> to dozens of people. They all passed on it. Tonight, that changes. Wow, that's quite the intro there, Jimmy. Okay, this is a big one, Kit. I've got a feeling you're going to absolutely nail this. She acts like summer and walks like rain. Reminds me that there's a time to change. Hey, hey, hey. Oh my god, well, uh, I guess he's not been spending his free time on music lessons then. You know nothing, John Snow. Quite. This has been the Standout 7, the best of the week from the Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow, 7am, with the Sunday 7. Have a great rest of your weekend.